Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another episode of the Chiefs Wire podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, Henry McKenna from the Patriots Wire calls in and shares his thoughts on the Patriots' recent struggles and upcoming matchup with the Chiefs. The Cali Chief is once again joined by Hwang Force, former cheerleader for the Kansas City Chiefs, to break down the upcoming matchup in Foxborough in our weekly roundtable. Back with us, Chiefs Wire Managing Editor Charles Goldman. Okay, Charles, do you believe the Chiefs will use similar tactics from the Ravens and Texans to disrupt the Patriots' offense? I really think that, I mean, even looking back at that big, I think it was a Monday night football game, a big victory against the Patriots, and uh, it, it left questions. You know, people were saying, oh, is Tom Brady finished? Is he through? I think really the blueprint has been there about how you beat Tom Brady and the Patriots offense. You have to have a team that's able to to bring extra pressure and a team that's able to play really good man coverage uh, against a group of, of talented skill players. And I, I think that's really just been the, the, the past couple of years where, you know, they've they've been able to really have some great talent around him. And... I, I think that that's not the same this year. They have n- not quite the skill group they're used to. They don't have Rob Gronkowski forcing those types of mismatches in the middle of the field at the tight end position. Really, the the only carryover they have right now is, is Edelman, and teams are, are doing a lot to take him away. You look at you know, Texans, Ravens, they doubled him a lot of the time, and, and they really made things difficult on Brady while also playing other man coverages out on the outside, different other different receivers. So I, I think that the blueprint is there, and I think the Chiefs are aware of that blueprint. At the same time, they might have maybe a little bit more advantage going into this one on the defensive side of the ball. You've got the motivation of Brandon Daly. And, and you know, when, when the Chiefs are on offense, now you kind of maybe have a different eye toward what what the defensive line group is doing for the Patriots because you have the guy who's coaching them last year. And, and they haven't really changed a whole lot of what they like to do, which is disguise where they're sending their pressure from and use kind of these multiple front formations to confuse and throw off the offensive line. So I think that, that that'll be useful for the Chiefs and, and may give them an advantage they haven't had in previous matchups. But, but as I said, I think the blueprint is there, and I think the Chiefs will probably follow it. And, you know, we'll see how successful they are in terms of, of executing that blueprint. Will there be any motivation carried over from the team's last meeting in the AFC title game? Yeah, I don't really think there's any um, extra motivation from the last meeting being the AFC, uh, AFC championship game in 2018. 
it, it, it's just, you know, every week you're trying to go out and win football games in the National Football League. I know that's like a really like coachy type of answer, but it, it's true. And um, I, I don't think they're going to let this game get too big, you know, make too much of a big deal out of it. I think they're going to treat it as, as any other week. I think maybe Patrick Mahomes will will have a little something to prove, you know, because he, he didn't get that shot at the end of the last game at the end of the AFC title game in overtime. He was sitting on the bench. He was there. He was believing in his defense, and he truly believed they could get a stop and get him back on the field and, and that he'd have another opportunity, but we all know how that turned out. So maybe there's a little extra motivation there for him to kind of come out firing on all cylinders. We'll see. I think they're going to just kind of try to stick to, to their guns and, and try to keep things as normal as possible. And, and as I said, not let the game get get too big for them. Do you still consider Tom Brady an elite quarterback? Yeah, I absolutely still consider Tom Brady an elite quarterback. I mean, I think even when he retires, he'll be considered an elite quarterback. He'll probably be better than several of the, the starters throughout the league after he retires. But um, yeah, you, you can't underestimate this guy. When, when things are working for him, when their offense is playing extremely well, um, there's, there's no quarterback you'd rather have out there uh, leading a group of guys than Tom Brady. Uh, he, he's just excelled at it and, and been great at it for so many years. And uh, I think he can still draw on that experience and, and play at a very high level. He's, he's having some trouble this year. There's no doubt about that. Maybe his stats aren't as, as gaudy as they have been in the past and might be looking, um, you know, it, statistically toward the bottom half of the league in terms of QB stats. But at the same time, that could simply be a symptom of, of what he's working with. He's got, you know, rookie wide receivers, two, two of them in the offense, which is pretty rare for, for that team. Um, he's working with uh, Mohamed Sanu, who is a trade acquisition, who's new. They've had some moving parts all along the offensive line. They really haven't necessarily established um, a dominant co- uh, uh, tight end quarterback connection um, with Ben Watson and some of the other guys they've been mixing in there. So I, I don't think that any of the things that are happening on the offensive side of the ball for Tom Brady are telling us that he's in decline from this elite quarterback. I think he's just going through the normal ebbs and flows and growing pains that offenses see when there's a lot of change. I mean, we can even reflect on what the Chiefs have seen with with Patrick Mahomes and the offense being so in flux this season with injuries, the offensive line position, the wide receiver position, the running back position. It, it c- Continuity means something in this league. And not having that can can really disrupt um, the, the the tendencies and normality for for these offenses. And lastly, any particular stories from Chiefs Wire you would like to highlight from the past week? Yeah, we've got a lot of good stuff um, on on Chiefs Wire this past week. Uh, we have a, a great story on what's going on with the running back position. The Chiefs have had some injuries there. They have some new additions. They have the emergence of Darwin Thompson. Um, after after week 13, he had a really good game and had some opportunities that he hadn't yet seen in the offense. Of course, we've got all the def- different news covering all the transactions that have happened over the course of the past uh, week or so here. Um, we've got a few big ones. Uh, for instance, Xavier Williams uh, designated to return from injured reserve. 
So to find out um, about that um, and, and what all that means, um, check out ChiefsWire.com. We have a few more different stories uh, that, that are going to pop up for the, the week's end that you'll want to take a look at. And uh, thanks so much for visiting the website and for listening to our show. For more information on this story and others, head over to ChiefsWire.com and we'll give you all the details you need on the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up next, the Chiefs Wire Podcast Roundtable. had our last game versus the Oakland Raiders. Next time we face them, they'll be the Vegas Raiders. And they'll be coming off of a 40-9 to whooping at the hands of our Kansas City Chiefs, who finally have their O-line intact for the first time in a minute. Everybody played fairly well. There was a lot of wind. There were some crossbody passes and things that didn't go the way they normally go. Luckily, one that should have been picked was dropped. That one Looked like he threw the ball. It was a spiral for about 10 feet, and as it raised up in the air, it looked like it hit a wall of wind and started fluttering sideways, which is uh, not a normal thing you see from a Patrick Mahomes throw. Uh, And the other one that really I noticed during the game was uh, one that got away from him. He said to himself that the air took it a little further than he expected, and he had a wide-open Kelsey heading into the end zone. That play and the touchdown that they took back – which everybody's been announcing all week. Oh, they had no penalties. There was no pen. Hey, there was one penalty, and it cost us seven points. You can say offset all you want. It's not an even offset. They got it down over to play defense against us, and we lost seven points. So that greatly affected Patrick Mahomes' stat line, and everybody came out of that game looking at him having about 200 yards of offense and a touchdown rushing and a touchdown passing and no turnovers and said, not a great day for Patrick Mahomes. Meanwhile, Lamar Jackson had 204 yards total, rushing and passing combined. Uh, you touchdown rushing, a touchdown passing, and fumbled the ball away to the 49ers. And he's the hands-down MVP of the league. So if you think that they're looking at our quarterback differently than they look at other quarterbacks, they're definitely grading on a curve. Today I'm going to start talking with my friend, the Golden Voice from the Pacific West, Ms. Hong Forrest, Chiefs fangirl. How are you doing today, Hong? I'm doing fantastic, Dan. Thanks for having me on again. I love talking football with you. Ditto. I love having you on here. You give a nice perspective and people get to listen in here. Hey, you know what? Girls really do like football. It's possible. It's a real thing. <laughs> it really is. And we're not as rare of a breed as you might think. I know. It's, it's <laughs> becoming more and more apparent to me. Although, you know, I married into a football family and my wife... Barely can talk. She says she's a Chiefs fan. She just prefers when football's not on because her dad was a football coach and he had a stadium named after him and the whole deal. And it was her whole childhood. So she's kind of over it a little oh bit. Oh, my goodness. But she she tries her best to be supportive. Well, that's all you can ask. <laughs> that's all you can ask. Exactly. So we've had an interesting week. We're coming out of a big whooping of the uh, supposedly feared Raiders. Uh, they might overtake the AFC West. It, it sounded very familiar to me last week. 
it got muted, of course, and, 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 and neutered a little bit after they got smoked by the Jets coming off of that big Jets loss. But if they had won like 21 to 17 over the Jets, I'm sure the, the vitriol against the Chiefs being able to hold on to the SC West would have been just as strong. But it sounded very much reminiscent of the way people have talked about the Chargers against us the last couple of years, and it always ends up the same way. It is a song that never ends. <laughs> just goes on and on, my, oh, friends. my friends. And then Andy whoops, <laughs> Andy whoops the AFC West, and that's how he does. That's right. That's what he does. Right. So we swept them. Uh, we're one win away. Some people are like, oh, I think they're one or two wins. We are oh, one. No. The math is one win, people. Correct. We have eight wins. Two of the teams in the league, in the division, have eight losses. The Raiders now have seven losses. We win one more football game. It is mathematically impossible for them to catch us. The Raiders might tie us if they win out, but we've got them swept. So there goes the tiebreaker. Oh, yeah. So we're one win away from winning the AFC West for the fourth time in a row, which is unprecedented territory Amazing. for the Kansas City Chiefs. The, <laughs> I believe, Chargers and Broncos and Raiders have all done it before, mm-hmm. and two of them have done it five times. I have to look it up again. It's one of those I don't care about them stats because I yes. plan on next year us having five as well, and then the next year after that, setting the record with six. I don't foresee this team weakening anytime soon, barring injuries, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a stranglehold on the division, and, and I love it. We have a lot of young talent on board. Um, we had some injuries during the game. What were your uh, perceptions watching the game? Because I'm sure you were viewing it. Oh, I absolutely was. This is one of those rivalries that I do not miss out on, of course, but it's also bigger because not only do I live in a household uh-huh. divided, but a family divided. My well, sister yeah. is a Raiders fan. Yeah. <laughs> Poor girl. Oh, yes. Very much so. But I was thrilled, excited watching this game. It was one of those where we came into this and I came into this thinking that we had to come out quick. Mm-hmm. We had to come out fast and we had to stay on top. And we found a way to do that. I have never felt so thrilled, excited, elated watching an entire football game. It felt so complete and I was just so happy and so excited to see mm-hmm. us playing so well and a very clean, dominant game. I've been keeping track of the uh, yards rushing aloud the last few weeks and of course I always call out the fact that the Titans game is a bit of an anomaly because Derrick Henry just runs on everybody. Um, we gave up 104 yards to Josh Jacobs. He had 100 yards announced three times during the game because he kept losing it which means that we were adjusting and tackling him for a loss over and over again. And then he'd get it, and then he'd lose it again, and then he'd get it, and then he'd lose it again, which means we're playing the run really well. Oh, absolutely. So we're up to, I think, 96 yards per game in the last five games, not counting Tennessee. I will take that. I will take that bet. Huge improvement. And in the last two games, our defense has allowed a total of 26 points and has taken the ball away seven times. And we're sacking the quarterback, too, so there's that. There's a lot of... uh, there's a lot of fluidity right now. Um, before we move on from the the Raiders, is there anything else you wanted to talk? I think that game's. I mean, it's pretty much. It is what it is. It was forty to nine. We asserted our dominance. Was there anything else that you really wanted to talk about regarding the Raiders? No, I don't think so. I I just was so excited after this win, this dominant showing that we had on Sunday, that I think I got it all out <laughs> after the, during the game, after the game, and these first couple of days of the week here. So it was just a fantastic showing, and I really wanted to take and utilize that momentum coming off of our bye week, going into this dominant showing, to go into Foxborough and just take care of business once and for all. 
That's awesome. I will take that. I agree. I want us to win big. And it, Sunday was like a two-for-one because we won, and then the Texans put a whooping on the Patriots. That was a game where Bill O'Brien was, what, 0-5 against the Patriots, his former team. He could not beat them. And they just whooped up on him. I just kept checking in on the score because I was doing other things. But I was like, mm-hmm. wow, this is this is kind of awesome. <laughs> yes, it was. I looked at the game a little closer afterwards to see if they were doing anything that we can imitate or utilize. And there's a lot of stuff that they do that we can do. And I'm sure the Patriots will make mm-hmm. adjustments. But so will we. And I like the fact that we have Daly, their former D-line coach, right. is our guy now. And I'm sure he's got some little tricks up his sleeve for that offensive line that he knows Absolutely. oh so well. Absolutely. And I'm hoping this is where... Andy Reid comes in with some of his more creative play calling that I know he's been criticized quite a bit this season um, with his more conservative play calling. So I hope that he comes in and he's able to do what he does with um, creating those plays that's going to just really allow us to show off everything that we are capable of doing on offense. I'm just kind of hoping he's going to unleash H-E double hockey sticks on them with offensive barrage and just fill the air with footballs. And I mean, I don't, I don't see that secondary as great as they've supposedly been playing, being able to match up with our guys, especially after watching. Hmm. I mean, what, aside from DeAndre Hopkins, I think is a lesser receiver core, but it's got a couple speed guys and speed kills. And everyone keeps talking this week about them. Well, they're going to cover up Tyreek and then the chiefs got to figure out what they can do. Well, they can, run Hardman past everybody just like they can Tyreek and then they can bring Watkins and Travis on crossers under the middle and oh all of our running backs can catch speaking of running backs I mean we're down to right now healthy wise we have LaShawn McCoy and Darwin Thompson who asserted himself on a nine minute drive like what the kid just like thumped and thumped and thumped and then got in the end zone wasn't that great it was absolutely fantastic I was thrilled for him so happy so thrilled that this rookie it was able to have such a big day and show us that he is one of the hardest working teammates um he it was just so exciting to witness that between Juan Thornhill and then Darwin Thompson's first career touchdowns as NFL players it was super exciting to watch and I just I felt so proud. <laughs> and after the game, they were talking to him, and he kept asserting that. He goes, I practice every practice like I'm the starter. And he just, they asked him about that drive, and he just was like, I was I was pretty tired. I had I touched the ball almost every play. and But I got to that goal, and I, just, I had to get in there. He goes, I was just, no, I can't not get in now. I've come this far. And he was, I mean, the whole team was so excited for him. Patrick picked him up oh in the gosh. air. It was amazing I to love watch. that. That was my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, just like you said, uh, he, his teammates will say that he has, they have said that he is the hardest working guy on the team and you want that. And I love the fact that Darwin said that when he is out there practicing, he practices as if he is the first string running back. And that's the attitude that you need to take into this. You need to take into that because every day you're competing for your job at this level, every single day you're competing for your job. So I love that work ethic in him. I love that he brings that out because that just brings and elevates everybody around him as well. And he's a solid little thumper in there. He's not a small back. He's a shorter guy, but he's stocky and has very strong legs and has good after contact forward momentum. He falls forward a lot. When he gets tackled, he bounces off tackles. He's got a lot of leg drive. I really like seeing what he can do. And he's had a couple opportunities to catch passes out of the backfield, but it was kind of gimmicky earlier in the season, and I think teams are kind of reading on it well. He only comes in one or two plays a game, and when he does, it's usually a swing pass, so we'll just watch him for the swing. But now that, you know, 
they've displayed, oh, and by the way, he can do this, <laughs> run down the middle of the gut and pound it up the field for a touchdown. That gives them something else to pause and go, hmm, maybe not. A concern I had was where are we going to be at without Darrell Williams as far as pass pro? Right. And then in addition to adding Elijah McGuire, former Jet who knows the Patriots a little bit, to our practice squad, boom, surprise, they turn around and sign good old-fashioned Spencer Ware. Thank goodness. <laughs> and I was stoked to hear that. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh, yes. And he's got unfinished business in Kansas City, and I know that he's so excited to be back in Kansas City as well. I'm happy to have him back. That's was was that a were you quoting him or were you just coming off the cuff because that's what he posted on Twitter. He did yeah. on Twitter yeah. and on Instagram. He wants you know, a piece of I like them. to stalk so everybody bad. on Instagram. But yeah, he posted that, and I was like, "Hey, you're in Kansas City." Hmm. And I mean, while he's probably not going to be getting a ton of reps right away, he can more than likely if he's healthy enough. They said he's in shape. Obviously, not he hasn't been hitting and stuff, so that's going to be different. But if he's in good enough shape and energy wise, and can take multiple plays. I don't foresee him coming in as a third down back being any problem at all. And then Not it's, at all. you know, he can pass block and then he's also a threat to release. He's also a, also a threat for halfback draws. It's going to be nice to have him in there. I, I miss him. I was one of those guys that I was like, I feel like we're going to do great things with Patrick. And I was just like, oh, I wanted to see him come in for the win. It's kind of how I felt last mm-hmm. year when going into the playoffs, we let Ron Parker go. Yes. And that, like Ron had had so many big moments for us. Oh. And then just, he started the wheels just kind of fell off speed wise. Mm-hmm. And that was his big thing was his speed, his ability to recover. And once that happened, it was just kind of like, it was a liability in the secondary. And that said, I don't know. I mean, he might've made a big play here or there in that playoff game. And who knows, maybe that's why we didn't uh, get over the hump last year against the Patriots who we should have beaten. We know how that game went. <laughs> um, I did a little digging and did some research because I this this hyperbole that's going around about how vaunted the Patriots are and how we have problems with them and they're this and they're that and they're granted we've had some playoff losses and it sucks and it's not fun and it's hard to take. But I went and dug a little deeper. Um, one thing I found in just like one of the newspaper articles because every once in a while I pick up an old black and white newspaper and get my fingers dirty. Well, look at you. <laughs> um, one one simple little quote they put in there: "Hyper focus remains on stalled offense." This is said about the Patriots. But did you notice the vaunted defense surrendered four touchdown passes in Houston, doubling their season total entering the game? Because the storyline that the pundits are throwing out there is this vaunted pass defense has only allowed eight touchdowns all season. Yeah, but they allowed four last week. And if anybody can put four on them, this team we have in Kansas City is one of those teams that could do it. Absolutely. We can definitely do that. I have no doubts that we can do that uh, with our weapons, with our options that we have, with our uh, offensive line back and intact and growing more cohesive with everyone back in action. I think that we can easily do that this weekend. Well, let me give you some numbers here. Playing under Andy Reid against the Patriots, 2014, they came to Arrowhead. Okay. He went 14 of 23, which is just over 60%. 159 yards, one touchdown, two picks, was sacked twice and had a quarterback rating of 59.9 in a 41-14 to Chiefs win. So that's the first time Andy played them with us. Then 2017, we played them. He was 16 of 36 for 44.4% completion rating, 267 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. That was at Foxborough, 70 quarterback rating. And Casey, of course, won that one, 42-27. Now, the 2014 year was that 
Andrew Luck Bowl where, I mean, the Chiefs were up 38-10. to 10, We were killing them, and then we just started losing everybody. I mean, we lost Jamal Charles on the first drive. We lost mm-hmm. Donnie Avery and Brandon Flowers, all three of them to concussions. We lost Nile Davis, who was our backup, to a knee injury. Eric Fisher was already out to start the game, and Holly was playing hurt. Mm-hmm. And that, that fumble at the goal line that bounced right back to Andrew Luck, I was just like, this is just kismet. He's not losing this football game. The universe wants Andrew Luck to win. That was a tough one to watch, but that was a 45-44 to 44 <laughs> game. That's the Chiefs, 44 points. Right. Then in 2017 was the, you know, Ford Progress game, which we won't get into because that just makes me sad. Please don't. <laughs> um, and then we played them again in 2018, of course, last year. Uh, he was he looked more impressive on the stat line until you get over to the, you know, touchdown area where he only threw one touchdown. But Brady was 24 of 35, 68%. Mm-hmm. That's more Brady-ish. And then 340 yards. But he only had the one touchdown. He got sacked twice. And that game could have gone either way. But, of course, again, in Foxborough, the last, the last two were. And, of course, this year will be in Foxborough as well. So 2017, 2018, and 2019, we're playing them three years in a row. Every time we have to go to Foxborough. Right. That's very annoying. And we know how the title game went last year, 37 to 31 at our house, which we were one play away from winning the whole thing, getting to the oh. Super Bowl. But it seems to me that when they beat us, 43 to 40, 37, 31, it's a tight game. Very. When we beat them... It's a whooping. Exactly. It's 41-14. It's 42-27. I feel like we have a good chance of going in there. And this this rising at the right time defense could get to him four or five times. I mean, Isaiah wins back, so he's getting more time. They said he had more time last week against the Texans, 3.2 seconds per drop back, than he's had in eight years. And he was that ineffective most of the game. His stat line was bloated near the end when they were on the comeback trail and just whipping the ball as much as they could. But I watched that game, and it was not impressive. There was some really, like, I mean, the overthrows and the – he looked like he was playing an arrowhead. You know how Patrick had some balls sail on him and stuff? He was in a dome against the Texans. He was in a dome in Houston. No wind. Right. No wind in there. That ball was – some of those balls were sailing on him, and he looked rattled. And I, I hope we have Frank Clark ready this week. I haven't heard anything about his shoulder. But if we have Frank there, and I, you know, Spencer Ware is not the only one with unfinished business. You think Chris Jones isn't sitting there going, dude, you got me on that phantom rough in the passer call that extended that drive when I should have got you and your guy was holding me around the way. Chris Jones is going to be hungry. Oh, man. Everybody on that defense that was there last year is going to be hungry. And let me ask you, how about the Honey Badger and Juan Thornhill rounding into what we all thought he could be at the beginning of the season. How's that kid look? Oh my gosh. They both look fantastic. It is so exciting to see the both of them, that rookie class paying off like it is already. I think it's so exciting. And just, I feel so proud (laughs) watching as a fan. And of course, you know, I'm a mom of two boys, but just watching it's just, I feel so proud. It's so exciting. They're doing such a good job. Uh, That, it, that pick six, Juan Thornhill just read it just right, and he just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And then, of course, my spirit animal, Dan Sorensen, <laughs> number 49, who had a sack, I believe, and an interception and stopped the fourth and short play in the AFC Championship game. Mm-hmm. He's going to be inside the box most of the night. He's not going to be a liability in pass coverage. I think he can stay with their tight ends. Ben Watson, in his heyday, could have worked on him a little bit, but I think he's lost a step, and I think Dan will be... All right there, plus the two safeties in the back end. Just having two guys that are very capable. Now, Juan's a young guy, and he might fall for some Brady tricks. But it's, I mean, the funny thing is I'm listening to a lot of these pundits, 
and um, Jason Whitlock from oh. uh, Speak for Yourself. <laughs> yeah, he he's usually a bit of a naysayer, um, you know, because he's just like a he's one of those Debbie Downer Chief fans. I guess. Oh just, yes, just he is. Embittered over the years, but he was he was standing in there fighting, saying, "No, I think the Chiefs are going to win by like ten this weekend." I don't know what are you guys talking about, and everybody else else at the table just kept talking about, you know, I just think he can turn it on. I think he can. I think you know, there's every once in a while Brady can just. Yeah, you're looking at the past twenty years, dude. Nick Wright has said it perfectly this year. He said, "Everyone's waiting for Brady to turn on some magic goat juice." It's over, man. It's ending. We're seeing the mm-hmm. ending now. He was started out of the season pretty good, and his numbers have just been declining every week. Now he got some inflated passing numbers late in the game because that's all they did. But we saw what happens with Phillip Rivers and with Derek Carr. If you start wailing the ball out there, trying to come back into the game, our secondary starts taking the football away. So I could see this game. I mean, it could be a nail-biter tight down the stretch because you kind of got to bake into every game against the Patriots at Foxborough that there's going to be a couple – Phantom calls that go their way, and you just got to play through it. Luckily, we have you know the PlayStation Xbox quarterback who just keeps dropping <laughs> back and dropping back and just throws it an extra ten yards like it's nothing to make that happen. But uh, you know, third and twenty-one doesn't scare him. You know, not at all. And I feel I feel like this week we my my gut feeling, and last week my gut feeling was forty-five thirteen. It was forty to nine. I'll take it. This mm-hmm. week I feel like it's going to be about. I want to say 37 to 21 and I feel like we're going to have maybe three interceptions and sack him about four or five times. Once you get past that third or fourth sack, he it generally starts to rattle him pretty good. As long as we contain the run and Sony Michelle doesn't scare me this year. He was really good against us last year. This year, he's just not the same guy and there are other backs. I think we got, we've got the guys to the horses to run with them. Absolutely. And if we can keep that pressure on Tom Brady, I think that we can be be able to affect that big time, get into his head, get into his momentum, his rhythm, and be able to really put some points on the board and take the ball away a few times. I'm looking forward to watching this because I know that they're going to come into this having lost this last weekend. They're going to come in really hungry, but it's time. I am. He's had such a prolific career. (laughs) (laughs) He's had such a prolific career and he's talented and he works hard and he has worked really hard to come from where he's come from, from his combine days. But I am so ready for this next generation of quarterbacks. I am tired of a Patriots domination over the last, you know, over the last many years. So I'm just tired of it and I'm ready. I'm so ready for our next generation of quarterbacks. Oh my gosh. And also, yes, I got this random text message. I don't even know who this number is, but literally it's a hate message. Somebody sending Just me now? a Was text that, that says, Patriots are going to stomp you this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know who you are, but I'm going to wait and reply accordingly after the game. Yeah. That's tears of rage. That's their dynasty death cry. That's what's happening right now. <laughs> totally is. <laughs> and if you look at it, the career that Tom Brady has had, the career that Drew Brees has had, mm-hmm. is having. <laughs> um, sure. th- these guys, you know, Aaron Rodgers, these quarterbacks whom I've grown up with, and I, I know them because they have had a great career. Their time 
their golden days are done. I believe that their golden days are done. And I'm just really excited because if you look at Patrick Mahomes, if you look at Lamar Jackson, if you look at these quarterbacks, Watson, Yes, Deshaun Watson. If you look at these quarterbacks, their ages, 24, 22 years of age, this is that next generation of quarterbacks. And I'm so excited to watch these guys do their thing for the next decade and perhaps even beyond. Mm -hmm. I feel like his arm hasn't fallen off like Manning and Marino down down the stretch of their last season. But I feel like he stayed one year too long at the dance. I feel Mm -hmm. like they're going to... They're going to start getting beat. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Buffalo beats them too. Oh, I agree. I think Buffalo gets a second shot at them. I think they might run the ball down their throat. And I think they might have a few uh, little special plays where, you know, Mr. Josh Allen starts running around and getting open. As long as they don't hit him in the head again and knock him out of the game, which, you know, everybody in the league decided wasn't a penalty. I'm like, are you kidding me? Dude, like, stuck (laughs) his head into his head. He's a quarterback. Poor guy. But, uh, yeah, they could give him some hard times. I don't think the Bengals... They have the Bengals in Miami or something else, something some ridiculously easy stretch. But hey, Miami's been playing well too. They have been. So who knows? Maybe Fitz Magic will have one more magic game against Exactly. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I would love to see Miami beat them. Yeah. And we're not out of this first and second uh seed yet. We're not out of the race yet. It's tough. We're up against it a little bit, but it's still attainable. Winning this week is, would be huge. Uh, if we lose this week, we win one more game, and then it's you know rest them or play them time. It's up to Andy because uh, a seeding might be actually it probably won't be locked in yet. There still be possibly a, a potential to move up or down a spot, but we'll likely be playing a, a home game in the first round if we don't win this week. It looks a little bit uphill after that because I think Baltimore's got a pretty good route. Oh yeah. Although you never know. You never know. That's why they play the games, right? Exactly. Any given Sunday. Well, it was good chatting with you as always. Thanks, Dan. Always great to chat with you too, my friend. Looking forward to chatting with you online as we gear up for Sunday and definitely be chatting to you afterwards as well. Well, I and I'm sure all of Chiefs Kingdom out there will be excited to watch us roll into Foxborough and hopefully we start the game off hot. Don't start off cold and score on that first drive or stop them on their first drive if we uh, defer to the second half as Andy likes to do at times. I really have a lot more faith in our defense now than I have the entire year. The last few weeks they've really just been stepping up and I'm looking forward to Patrick. I think that uh, to legitimately get back into the MVP competition because people seem to be ignoring him right now. I think he's got to throw five or six touchdowns against New England. I think four touchdowns isn't enough or something. He can do it. People have this really ridiculously high watermark for him now. They do. But I don't think he cares about that. I think he's like, been there, done that. Give me a championship. Let's go. Let's go. We're ready for it. And to be quite honest, I think that's how most of Chiefs Kingdom feels. Let's get that championship. Let's get that second Super Bowl trophy. (laughs) I couldn't agree more. Let's get the Lamar Hunt first, bring it on home. And let's go to Super Bowl and win. And win big. Win on defense, offense, and special teams. Win an all-round solid game of football and take home the Lombardi Trophy. We've had enough of this chatter. Andy's not afraid of Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Patrick Mahomes wants to taste victory against them. You can see it in the kid's eye. Everything seems to be coming together and gelling at just the right time. Looking forward to watching them on Sunday. Going in there and doing what I think they're going to do, which is what Alex and the Chiefs did last time they were in Foxborough together in the regular season. 
I think they're going to beat the brakes off them by about 10 or 11 points. Stay positive, Chiefs Kingdom. Get up for Sunday. Go Chiefs. Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes shares his thoughts on Tom Brady's future, along with the upcoming matchup against the Bill Belichick-led defense. Yeah, I mean, I've known for a while that it's not going to be the last year anytime soon. I mean, he's still playing at a, a high level, and the, I mean, in, unless he just doesn't want to play, which I don't see. I mean, I, I guess I expect to see him for a, uh, at least a couple more years. And I mean, whenever you play play a guy uh, like this who's who's won all these these championships, you want to go out there and give your best effort, of call, obviously, and you want to try to find a way to win. But uh, at the same time, it's a team it's a team game, and we're going to go out there and just try to do whatever we can to come out with the win. Patrick, you've faced a lot of elite defensive players so far this season. Just Gilmore, just what stands out about his game and what he's able to do inside their defensive scheme? Yeah, I think I think the understanding that he has, uh, I mean, of, of the defense is what's the biggest thing for me. I mean, he really understands what the offenses are trying to do, and he tries to take that away, and he understands what's going on not only with his guy but with the, the, the pass rush or the other guys around him. And I think that's that's the biggest thing that's ha- had him have this such a great, great season this year and last year. And, I mean, he's obviously – physically gifted the way he's able to play man coverage, zone coverage, or whatever it is, but he understands the whole concept of the defense, and he understands what the offense is trying to do to exploit it. That's okay. Chiefs Wire Podcast, we are back and on the line right now with Henry McKenna. He is a writer for the Patriots Wire, part of USA Today Sports Media Group. Henry, how's it going, man? I'm good. Good. Life's good out here in New England. We just got bombed with a snowstorm, but we got a good football game to cheer us up this weekend. Oh, uh, you definitely do, and I know you guys came off a uh, tough loss uh, this past week against Houston. Um, if you don't mind, we just want to jump into that game in general. What did you see that was so different in regards to the team's approach when going against the Texans? Um, I actually think it was more about um, what the Texans did than what it was about what the Patriots did. Um, and I think that it's it's a mold that other teams should try and. I'm surprised more teams haven't tried. Basically, they doubled Julian Edelman and put a cornerback on running back James White. Um, I feel like fantasy football owners probably know James White pretty well at this point, but he's a pass-catching running back, um, probably one of the best in the league at at that specific role. Um, And so when you put a cornerback on him, it's treating him basically like what he really is, which is a receiver out of the backfield. And I think that's sort of a wise and in some ways outside of the box thing to do. But uh, in, in a lot of ways, it's like it makes perfect sense. Um, so the Texans did that, and then they doubled Julian Edelman, and that forced Brady to rely on a number of the other pass catchers who really aren't ready to be reliable options on offense. So, like, Mohamed Sanu was dealing with an ankle injury, and he's only a few weeks into the offense, so I don't think he's particularly comfortable carrying the offense. Um, particularly with that angle injury. And then the two rookies, Jacoby Myers and Nikhil Harry, um, both of them obviously not really ready uh, to be a big part. So as soon as the Patriots fell behind, they needed to rely on their passing attack, and and um, that passing attack, attack kind of got, um, I would say, sort of it just became problematic when they couldn't go to their favorite options. No, I definitely understand that. And just talking about the whole passing attack, the wide receiver core is going through some changes uh, since the beginning of the season. 
you talk about having Josh Gordon and Antonio Brown at one point. What do you think was the mindset with Bill Belichick and just not only the Antonio Brown, you know, cutting him after one week and then moving on from Josh Gordon as well? Right. Well, when the Patriots signed Antonio Brown, all we knew about him was that he was a madman um, who was causing problems in Oakland and causing problems in in Pittsburgh. But we didn't really know um, the situation with his civil suit. That only came out a few days after the Patriots signed him. So that's sort of when the problems began. Uh, and then it escalated where the civil suit got filed and then um, it was uh, allegations of sexual assault and rape. And then, you know, a few days later, a whole different accuser emerged with accusations of sexual harassment. And then Brown turned around and reportedly texted her intimidating text messages. So it's a really bad situation that got increasingly worse. And I think ultimately owner Patriots owner Robert Kraft decided that Brown wasn't worth the headache, even though Belichick seemed sort of ready to put his head down and endure it. Now, obviously, that's ethically problematic, right? But um, And there's a whole dive we could go into, you know, our legal system. And is someone guilty until proven innocent? And can we fire someone for something they haven't been proven guilty of? And, you know, it, it's the ethical debate could go on and on. But ultimately, you know, the Patriots decided that they didn't want it to go on and on. They wanted to disengage from it, and so they cut Brown. As for Gordon, I think it's a more complicated um, – uh, I guess it's, I, the Brown situation was plenty complicated, so I don't want to say it's more complicated, but it's it's a less uh, obvious reason. Um, you know, the, the Patriots he, – he got injured, and the Patriots put him on IR and released him thereafter. I think they just felt there was sort of a slow deterioration of – trust between him and the organization um they couldn't count on him as much on sundays his catch rate was down this year uh, particularly in the first few games um it seemed like they were force feeding him the ball rather than making him a natural part of their game plan every week so it just came down to um them adding sanu and i think they felt like sanu brought enough to the table that they could move on from gordon um now whether they were justified in thinking that i don't know but um, I guess we'll find out in the coming weeks as Sanu gets more healthy. Definitely. It was a, like I said, it was an interesting move, uh, you know, going with Sanu sort of like midseason. And then you have a veteran quarterback, you know, probably one of the best, if not the best, quarterback in Tom Brady in history. Um, there's been a lot of uh, different, you know, speculation in regards to Brady's health, if, if his age is becoming a factor and everything. What is your take on Brady this season, and do you feel like this is a, his start of his decline? Yeah, I think I think Brady's been more of the same. Um, you know, he, his decline was was becoming evident last year. I'd say I don't think that he has had any major slippages this year. Uh, I think it's just a product of the people around him. Like last year, you know, Gronk was around, and he, as much as he was declining too, actually last year he still was one of the best tight ends in the league, and then obviously one of the best tight ends in history. Now, he wasn't playing like, you know, that Pete Gronk, but he was still making, his, and I need not tell Kansas City fans uh, because of that AFC Championship where he made a number of crucial plays. Um, but, you know, those were, those were game-winning plays. 
that he would provide every week. And maybe he was, he only finished the season with, I forget, I think it was like 600 yards or something. But um, those are, you know, every one of those yards really counted. Um, and so when you lose a guy like that, it's such a difference maker. Um, and so this year we've been talking about all that turnover. I think that's really taken a toll on Brady's performance. Um, and so maybe it's age to some degree. I mean, that's only natural. But I think we're seeing an exaggerated um, decline, not because of age, like because of personnel. If, if the Patriots were boasting the same offense as the Chiefs, I think we'd see a much better version of Tom Brady. It, it wouldn't even be close. Well, speaking of the Chiefs, obviously just the big matchup this this Sunday. Uh, everyone's talking about a whole like rematch of uh, last year's AFC Championship game. Do you see any similarities to this year's Chiefs from last year's, or um, do you feel like there will be any like big difference between the two teams heading into the matchup? I actually think it's a, a tremendous difference than last year, and and I imagine you you I don't know I won't speak for you, but I would guess you'd think the same. Um, Obviously, the defensive coordinator change has made a huge difference in Kansas City. That defense looks a lot better, especially when defending um, the passing game. And then you look at um, Mahomes struggling a little bit um, with the health issues and not becoming as big of a focal point, I think, over the last few weeks. Um, and then you see the Patriots are, are kind of the exact same thing. It's like Brady's not as big of the – of a focal point on offense and he can't make as many plays as he did in that AFC championship game. Like, I don't think this is going to be a shootout. I think this is going to be honestly, uh, probably a defensive matchup where, you know, the Patriots defense is, is better than the chiefs defense and the Patriots or sorry, the chiefs offense is better than the Patriots offense. So it's kind of like, you know, the best an elite offense faces an elite defense when the chiefs offense is on the field. And then a sort of like mediocre offense faces a mediocre defense when the Patriots offense is on the field. So in that way, it's sort of a nice matchup that will probably result in a relatively low scoring game. Okay, Henry, and before we let you go, uh, can you just like plug your Twitter, your social media, where people can follow you in, in, a, in a recent article that you want people to check out on the site? Sure, yeah. Um, you can follow me at uh, McKenna analysis, but uh, if you just search Henry McKenna, I'm verified, so you could pop me up pretty easily. Uh, and then check out all our work on PatriotsWire.com. Um, tomorrow morning, I've got a little thing dropping on um, the narrative sort of changing for Patriots pass catchers and how they feel about the fact that everybody thinks they stink. So I talked to a couple players about, hey, you know what, what's it like, you know, dealing with all this skepticism, with all this criticism, and I think some of them gave me a pretty decent answer. So that'll be that. No, hey, like I said, we're looking forward to it. Henry, thank you very much, man, for taking the time. And we look forward to a great game this Sunday. Yeah, it was great. Uh, Great chatting. And, and, uh, yep, have a good week. All right, man, take care. For everyone at Chiefs Wire, we'd like to thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Make sure to follow us on social media at The Chiefs Wire for more information. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next time.